0: All right. We are going to. Wow, that's hot. Um, We are going to have um, a good time together. Today is an exciting time in our scripture because we're coming now uh, up to this point. You've had some history. You've had some understanding of how the tabernacle works. You've had that. Now the author of Hebrews enters into where we are today and he's going to describe for us the changes that have taken place under Jesus Christ. Now this is exciting because um, this is where you as believers stand and there are many many people who um, are confused about how to live for Christ and what it means in Christ. And when you um, read through Scripture, when you read through the book of Romans, for example, or you read through uh, Colossians or Philippians, or see, the reason these books were written is because the, the church at large, the community of faith, were not grappling or they were inconsistent with their understanding of theology. And they didn't know how to apply, first first of all, they didn't know the background behind what it is they were dealing with, and secondly, they didn't know how to apply it to their lives. And so there were issues or problems that crept up in their lives. And so God prompted people like the Apostle Paul or the other apostles to share information to help bolster their faith, and not only to help bolster their faith, but to encourage them to live it today. And we find ourselves in the same situation today, that we need to have an understanding of how it is that God functions, and we need to change, as it were, our thinking. So if you're, if you're a baby and you're brought up in a Christian home and your parents are godly parents, then you have, and also they're, they're, uh, you know, they're not theological wimps, You know, they don't just go to church and warm the pew, but they study God's Word and they know it. Then you're at a distinct advantage to the non-believer because hopefully you're developing a lifestyle which is consistent with Scripture and you have an understanding as to why. But that's not true for most people. Most people don't really understand their faith. Rose and I were talking the other day about uh, the crisis, as it were, that's going on with Islam. And what's happening with the Islamic faith and the jihadists and those people that are, uh, that are terrorists, those people that lean a particular way, and those people who, you know, say that uh, Islam is a peaceful religion. And she's asking me, you know, how it is that people who um, live inside of this religious context can even begin to say that it's a peaceful religion. Well, I'll tell you, the same way that there are many people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ but fall off to the various cults that uh, we see uh, propagating their belief systems uh, today – Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, I mean, it just goes on and on. There's all kinds of – and why is it that these people believe these different things that they believe? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they do not have a historical, theological background that they can rely on for understanding what it is that they believe. Now the benefit is is that you fellowship in a body where you do. And so when we look in the book of Romans, the first several verses of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says this in chapter 12, he says that, you know, we are to be, Changed by the renewing of our minds. What is that? We are to be changed by changing our thinking and bringing our thinking in line with what the Word of God says. This nonsense that people promote that, you know, if you have a relationship with Jesus, it's all about feelings. It's all about getting excited and getting in touch with yourself. The major controversy right now is that the Olsteins are promoting that it's all about self and it's all about feelings. And the church is grasping this and saying, yes, we follow Jesus and it feels good. It has nothing to do with your feelings. If you feel good in your relationship with Jesus Christ, good for you. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that we are to be renewed and turned into new creatures in Christ by a changing of our minds. How we think, how we process. Listen to the author of Hebrews in chapter 9, starting at verse 11, as he speaks to this very issue. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the great perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hands, not a part of this created world. Once and for all time, he took the blood of the most high place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took his own blood, and with it, he secured our salvation forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and calves and Bulls, the ashes of the young cow, could cleanse the people's bodies from ritual defilement. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from the deeds that led to death so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why... He is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people so that all who are invited can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised him. for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins that they have committed under that first covenant. Wow. That is just jam-packed, jam-packed with wonderful things for us to understand. First of all, the high priest is no longer needed. The high priest is no longer needed because Jesus Christ took the place of the high priest. And more importantly, the tabernacle, which was made of wood and gold and cloth and various other things, that was a temporary thing. That was a created thing. A created thing that will deteriorate over time. A created thing that had to be maintenanced. In Jesus Christ, he is the creator. He is not the created, he is the creator. And he is eternal. He no longer is bound by the things of the earth. And so in him, we see the beauty that Christ becomes our high priest. So much so, that he doesn't live in an earthly dwelling, but he sits in the high places, look at Acts, the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 48, look at the description that is given in regard to Christ here. It's, it's a wonderful description for our understanding of what His position is in regard to the relationship with God, starting at verse 47. but Um, talking about the tabernacle, talking about the temple of God. Then he says this, he says, But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you ever build a temple as good as that? asks the Lord. Didn't I make everything in the heavens and the earth? God sits in the heavens. Look at look at uh, chapter 17 of the book of Acts, verse 24. In chapter 17, this very thought is reiterated into who Christ is and what it and where it is that He positionally is, and the beauty of that. Verse 24 of chapter 17, um, the Apostle Paul or the writer, excuse me, the writer of the book of Acts says this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. The purpose of the tabernacle was to house the presence of God. Remember, when we look at the tabernacle and the purpose of the tabernacle, it was to house the presence of God. How was the presence of God housed? By the... Give it to me. Ark of the Covenant. Good, good, good. Say it with boldness. Don't, good girl. Don't, don't, don't question. Say it with boldness. The Ark of the Covenant reflected the presence of God and He needed a temple, a dwelling amongst men in order for His presence to be contained. That was the purpose of the temple. The purpose of the temple was to house the presence of God via the Ark of the Covenant. And the high priest... Entered into that presence once a year for the purpose of dealing with the sins of the people. But Jesus, as he takes his place beside God, does not have to dwell in temples. Look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God is so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much that even while we were yet dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Not only by God's special favor have you been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, Because all because we are one with Jesus Christ. Wow. That is powerful. It means that we benefit from our relationship with Christ. We benefit because of the work that he did on the cross. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, uh, it says this. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our Savior. Here's the deal. The tabernacle was uh, old news. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. The tabernacle was a temporary thing. The high priest was a temporary thing in order to deal with the sins of the people. The sins of the people were rolled back or pushed off to the side once a year by the high priest giving offering. That was the purpose of the of the blood not only being sprinkled on the tabernacle, but being sprinkled on what? The scapegoat. Remember the scapegoat? They took the scapegoat, they sprinkled the blood, and then they sent the scapegoat off into the desert. The sins of the people were rolled away, but they were not dealt with in a final manner. But Jesus Christ, as our high priest, first of all, not bound by physicality, God himself offered up himself not only as the sacrifice, but as our high priest. And his blood was used as that pure and holy sacrifice so that our sins might be covered once and for all. There are three issues that are present in regard to to this. In regard, remember the old system, blood of goats... They cleanse the people from ritual defilement. But in in Jesus Christ, it says, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Three elements here. Why is it a perfect sacrifice? Number one, he offered his own blood. He was not a part of the physical as it were. We've talked about this before. You understand that, yes, Jesus was fully man and fully God, so he was physical, but he did not come through the chain of man. Genetically, when we look in Scripture, we see that the genes are normally passed from the man through the woman. So our genetic structure comes from the man, and passes through. But when we look at Jesus, Jesus was born of a woman. Jesus was not born of a man. He was born of a woman. And so those genes that came from the imperfection of Adam didn't affect Jesus. Jesus, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. Why? Because his blood was perfect. It wasn't stained by man. And so he covered us in his own blood. He only had to die once. The high priest had to maintain the temple, and the sacrifice had to be given how often? Every year. Every year, the sacrifice had to be given. Now in Christianity today, we have certain groups that believe that our sins need to be covered over and over and over and over and over over again. The Roman Catholics teach that the Mass, which is the Eucharist, the purpose of the Eucharist is so that Jesus might be slain again and again and again to cover the sins of man. But the author of the book of Hebrews says this, that Jesus came and died And his blood covered us once because it was a perfect sacrifice. Doesn't have to happen over and over again. Perfect sacrifice. Jesus, the creator of all that we understand and know. His blood, perfect, covers us for our sins. And it just happened once. The third thing which is unique about Jesus' blood is that um, it provides for us redemption. The reason why Jesus had to die, and we need to be covered by His blood, just one time, but we need to be covered by His blood, is so that we might be redeemed in our relationship with God. God, the initiator of His love towards man, His creation. God, the one who saw the inability for man to be able to work or do anything righteous. To earn, as it were, favor before God. Sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that His blood might cover us. And it might only have to happen once, not on a continual basis, but it might only have to happen once and for all time. And that our redemption before God is solid, covering past, present, and future. One time, all wrapped inside of Jesus Christ. The author of the book of Hebrews is reminding us that we need to understand that Jesus Christ fulfills the position of the high priest and the ultimate sacrifice in dealing with the condition of man. That's exciting. It's good for you to understand because when you talk to people, one of the things that people will tell you is, I just don't know how God can accept me. I'm so sinful. I just can't be right with God because I I do so many things. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. The blood of Christ covers all past, present, and future sins. You are covered in the blood of Christ, and there is nothing that you can do or need to do except the blood of Christ and be covered in it. Hallelujah. That's exciting, it's wonderful. But you have to know that. The old system has been replaced. There is a new system in Jesus Christ. And so we are called to have knowledge of this and to understand that. Now what's that mean practically for you and I? What it means is this. Is that how you live your life From now forward, whatever happened in the past is past. But from now forward, you need to live with the knowledge of who you are in Christ. As we explore the book of Hebrews, we're going to be challenged to now take this knowledge that we have of what happened under the old system and that we are no longer under that system. We need to take that knowledge and allow it to affect us. And that's going to require us to change the way we think. To be excited about the work of God in Jesus Christ in our daily life. So that we don't have to be overcome by guilt. We don't have to be overcome by habits which are counterproductive. We don't need to be overcome by those things which would drag us down. In Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. But it begins by the changing of your nines and a renewal. And my challenge for you as you meet in your groups, as you think about where you are in this process, my challenge for you is this, is first of all, to discuss, do you grasp the information which has been provided us here? The author of Hebrews is telling us that the old system is gone and has been replaced with a new system under a new covenant established with the blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Do you intellectually grasp that? And do you accept that? Go back over this section of Hebrews and read specifically what we receive because of the work of Christ on Calvary. And then ask yourself the question, do I intellectually grasp this, and do I accept it? Some of you saw a post on... Uh, <laughs> I was teasing my wife. Some of you saw a post on, um, on the, the thread earlier this week that Rose had come down with a serious case of IDBI. You know, because everybody around us has a syndrome nowadays. You know, everybody's coming down with something. I got into an elevator the other day. I don't know if I told all of you this or not. I've told a couple of you, so it might sound familiar. But I got into an elevator the other day, and this cop, it was over downtown Portland, and, you know, the police station is closed. So I got in the elevator, and these cops get into the, into the elevator, and they're riding the elevator down so they can go over to work. And this one cop is talking to the other cop, and he says, man, I just, just went to the doctor today. He said, yeah? How'd that go? Well, he said, I, I guess I'm depressed. He said, what, you, you didn't know you are depressed? He said, no, no. The doctor was talking with me. He said, I, I, I guess I'm depressed. So he gave me some meds. And now I'm good. So I got some meds and I'll no longer be depressed. i didn't saying that. I'm going, wow. Wow, really? There's a syndrome for everything. So, my current syndrome, my syndrome for how to deal with a lot of what I see in life today is IDBI. You know what IDBI is? I don't believe it. Serious case of I don't believe it. See, the author of Hebrews is saying here, this is where we are positionally in Jesus Christ. And you have to come to a position where you say yes I accept the Word of God. I accept what God is telling me in His Word that the old system has passed away and I am no longer under an old system. I am under a new system, under a new covenant in Jesus Christ. So, do you believe it? Do you accept it? Now here's the next question that you need to address. What are you going to do about it? If the old has changed is no longer there, you now have an intellectual knowledge, now the question becomes, what are you going to do about it? How does that mean you're now going to live because you have been told to think differently in Jesus Christ? Let's break. Let's go to our groups.